Ferry Road. We're so glad that you've chosen to be with us and uh, as usual we've met quite a few of you from all over the country and we thank you for being a part. Come on in have a seat. Uh, as we get started we want to draw your attention to the screens here uh, with uh, some of our announcements. Heart to Home registration of course is going on at the table in the back. Great, great uh, ministry uh, to our ladies uh, as, uh, that uh, again starts off a new season uh, very soon. And then the ladies' uh, Bible study uh, will be moved here to the Fellowship Center um, uh, this week, uh, so be sure and take note of that. We are, again, uh, also if you are, uh, didn't get a bulletin when you come in, there'll be some guys walking down the aisle, uh, wave at them uh, for other announcements and other things we have going on. At this time, we would like to uh, invite, where's her name? Lily Poole, <laughs> Lily Poole, come on down with your family and our elders, and we're going to have a baby blessing this morning. This is uh, one of our great traditions here uh, at Weissbury Road to have a moment where not only do we offer up a prayer of blessing uh, for our children, uh, but it's also really a, a challenge for our parents as well. So this is uh, Derek and Zena and uh, their little baby, Lily, who's beautiful. And uh, this is not only her day, but it's your day uh, because it's such a great challenge to parents uh, in this day and age to be able to raise up our children uh, as God would have them. Of course, it's not just you guys, but it's all extended family as well. Everybody's involved to make sure that this little girl grows up, is protected, and one day, of course, makes it to heaven, uh, because that's ultimately what it's all about. And nothing is going to guide that better than the Word of God. So uh, that's our first little Bible uh, that comes from us, uh, and that's a great challenge for you guys to not only teach her that, uh, but to live it yourselves. And a good marriage makes a good parent. So I want to challenge you guys and encourage you, and we want to have a prayer blessing from our elders to you guys. Father, we, uh, as we surround the pools, we're so grateful that you give us the opportunity to live this life, trusting in you and knowing that there's something beyond this life, and that is heaven. 
And Father, today as uh, we gather around uh, this, uh, this little girl uh, at the beginning of her life, we offer up this prayer that you will protect her, keep her from the evil one, and that she will be healthy and strong. Uh, pay for, I pray also uh, that uh, as parents that there's a great willingness to always have a strong marriage, a love for you, uh, and I pray that for this family as well. Father, I pray for grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles and everybody that's involved in the process uh, that you will be number one always. And thank you so much for the lives that you give us and the life we have in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. May blessings be upon you, precious We also want to have a special prayer today for uh, Jonathan Stryker. Jonathan, come on up. You can bring those little ones up with you. Jonathan has uh, uh, been working in Japan. Uh, a lot of our folks that went over and did some work there after the, uh, the storms and uh, things hit there. He was one that's just so valuable to uh, the church there and the ministry and and helping with the relief work and ongoing things that are still going on. And uh, I got one running off. My daughter just escaped. The daughter just escaped. <laughs> uh, it's nice to know kids are the same all over the world. Uh, <laughs> Grandma's taking care of her, so. All right. But uh, he's been so valuable to the ministry there, and uh, we wanted to. Uh, uh, to get Jonathan up and ask the elders to pray over him and for a blessing. He's doing some traveling right now in the States, and so uh, uh, 
uh, he'd be visiting other places that support him and, and encourage him, and uh, he's got his family here. So we want that. His wife uh, was not able to be here. She's going to be back when? This next week or something? July 4th. He said he's really looking forward to that, uh, and she'll be bringing their other one with, uh, with her. And so uh, we want to have a special prayer for Jonathan and for his work and ministry in Japan. So let's pray. Father, we uh, are overwhelmed at how many great things and great people you let us to be involved with around the world. Uh, for bringing Jonathan, Father, into a, a situation where he could not only preach the gospel, but minister to so many hurting people and to help guide us in how to help people uh, around the world through relief work and, uh, and how to continue to help them through development and through sharing the good news of Jesus. And so I ask your blessings, Father, upon him, upon his children, upon his wife as, as she travels the, this coming week for safety there. And thank you, Father, for their work and ministry. And I pray you continue to bless them the time they have in the States. And I know you're preparing a great ministry for them as they continue to share the good news of Jesus. Thank you for his willing heart to share the good news. And, and may you raise more men up like this. And bless him and his family and their works. In Jesus' name, amen. our service with some more worship this morning. Say to those who are fearful of heart do not be afraid. The Lord your God is strong with his mighty arm when you call on his name. He will come and say
the earth and on the sea and all that is in them, saying, read it with me, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Let's sing about it.
In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul describes our condition apart from Christ as being dead in our trespasses and sins. But in chapter, in verse 4, he gives us a solution. But God, being rich in mercy, having because he loved us with such a great love, even while we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. We're here to remember what God has done for us when we were incapable of doing anything for ourselves. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your mercy and for your grace, Father. We thank you for Jesus Christ and the life that he lived and the life that he gave on the cross for us so that we can obtain the gift of salvation. In Christ's name, amen.
This cup represents the blood of Jesus Christ. And the song we sung previously, we stand before God with hearts made clean by Jesus' blood. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the blood of Christ which was shed to cleanse our hearts, to cleanse us of unrighteousness and give us a righteousness where we can stand before you. In Christ's name, amen.
In just a minute, though, I'm still working on getting the trays back. If God has given us such a great gift, how can we not, in turn, be generous with what God has given us? It should, in a Christian's life, generosity, generosity should just flow out of, out of our lives. It should flow in from Jesus and out into the world. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the rich blessings you have given us, Father. Guard our hearts and help us not to put our trust in our possessions, but to give freely from what we've received. In Christ's name, amen. We're going to dismiss them at this time, so as we stand and let them get out, 
Go ahead and say hello to somebody close to you, then we'll get started again.
Savior came. morning. Thank you for being here. I want to introduce to you Allie Rosh, or Rosh, am I saying that right? Where are you, Allie? Raise your hand. Let me see you somewhere. I can't see from up here. She was baptized Friday night at the river. Congratulations. Sacrifice, I think they told, Chad told me she even lost her glasses while she was being baptized in the river. And, uh, uh, you know, that's a whole other campus we have, the River Church. Every Friday night about uh, midnight, there's a whole group of them praying and studying and gathered up there, you know. Uh, uh, you know, uh, if Carl was here, he'd count those. We could put them all in the counts, you know. He kept up with everything real well. And, uh, but uh, so, so appreciative of so many good ministries going on. Uh, uh, different places. Also, we have uh, uh, visiting with us one of the, uh, our former staff members, John McCord. John, where are you? Did you stay for church? Oh, good. John, stand up and say hi, Johnson. Glad to have you, brother. He's got a slew of people with him, so be sure and tell them what he's really like. They don't know. We've been in this series uh, on the converge when ordinary meets extra and it's been highlights of the book of acts and so all the good things have been going on when the gospel and god's spirit works with ordinary people there's a lot of great things been happening 
that we've been seeing here through the book of Acts. When you, you meet this group of people in Acts, you're meeting some amazing people. Because all of a sudden they found Christ and the message of the gospel. And as they go out, uh, they're involved in all kinds of things that are taking place to help the gospel not only go to Jerusalem, but to the whole world. And so uh, that all really started back in the book of Matthew. That's where we get first get this word church. In Matthew chapter 16, you remember uh, Jesus is asking the guys, uh, who, do you think, who do people say that I am? Remember that text? And so in Matthew chapter 16, verse 16 to 18, Peter responds and he says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon, the Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. I will build my church. I will build... You're a little slow this morning. I will build... I will build... There you go. So Jesus says he's going to build his church. Now, now, I think he's taking that off this rock-solid statement that Peter said that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Because that's the foundation of what the church is all about, right? He's the head of the church. He points us in the right direction. And it's a future thing. He says, I will. It's something going to happen. Those guys didn't know what it looked like. They didn't know what this thing was going to develop to be, uh, to be when they talked church. They didn't have that in mind. They weren't using the word church like we use it all the time, every building on a corner somewhere, you know. He says, I will, and I'm going to do something. I'm going to build something. So there's a starting point, and there's an ongoing process. And Acts shows that starting point and that ongoing process that we've been talking about every week of how the church is built and how the church grows. And so he says, I'm going to build it. And he says, it's going to be mine. He's the owner. He's the head. He's the architect. He's the one that designed it. So anything we try to improve on, we're going to come fall short on it. He already laid out what we are to be doing as a church. The word church means the called out of something, group of people. We're called out of the world with a purpose to live for the gospel. And so this group of folks that have been called out of the world, just all of us sinners, undeserving, but God's grace found us through the message of the gospel. Now we're called out to go into the world and the communities we live and take this good news of Jesus Christ. A people called out from the world for the purpose of glorifying their Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. The church, it is not a building on a piece of real estate, but a body on the move. Got it? It's not a business with a cross stuck on top of it. It's a family with a cross on every shoulder. And so the church cannot become an audience of religious activity... It must be people who are actively involved in denying self, taking up a cross, putting it on our shoulder, and headed out in the community in which we live. That's the kind of group of folks that will change the world, and they do through the book of Acts. So it wasn't about going around and building buildings and hanging names and, 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 and designing worship service. It wasn't about all that. It was about the body of Christ being Christ. Look, whatever Jesus was busy doing in his body while he was here, now we're his body, we ought to be busy doing the same things. Does that make sense? It's not that difficult. Whatever Jesus did while he was here is what the church ought to be doing while we're here because we're simply the body of Christ. You know, there's, there are many 
churches in terms of buildings and groups around. And I appreciate all they do. But my responsibility and our elders' responsibility is not for those places. It's for this place, right? And so as a church body, group of people that have been saved by grace, what are we going to do to help make the same thing that happened in Acts happen again? Well, I think one of the things we can do is look at what happened then and there. Look at what happened. The very first day, the gospel is preached. The story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is preached. And as it's preached, their hearts are pricked or their hearts are moved. Their hearts are touched by this message that God loved them so much. And out of that, they said to Peter, what, what do we need to do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins. and You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so they were, and 3,000 people, 3,000 on one day were baptized into Christ. 3,000, that's a pretty good start, you know. I don't know, we got probably, I don't know, 12, 13, 14, 1,500 in here today. Uh, uh, and I don't think the 3,000, you know, it was a biblical count, not a preacher count, you know. I mean, it's pretty accurate. There's 3,000 of them. And they devoted themselves to these apostles' teaching, which obviously had to do with the gospel, and to being together in this fellowship and breaking of bread and prayer. And so they're committed to all those things. They're devoted to those things. And, and the 3,000 3, folks are gathered up. Next, then they're gathered up daily, Acts 2, 46. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number, how often? Daily. Because when the gospel is preached daily, it's more apt to get responses daily. It's just pretty much that way. Then there were 5,000 men. Now, I don't know why they didn't count the women. I, if They may have been moving around so quick they couldn't get them all still long enough to count them. I don't know, you know. But the text just says there were 5,000 men. Many who had heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. Then there was more and more, Acts 5.14. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. And then there were large numbers. Acts 6, so the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. And they were devoted, all these people were devoted to themselves, to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking bread, and prayer. Now this is still one church in one city. Now I don't know how many thousand we're up to. We're getting close now, you know, uh, uh, up to uh, uh, eight, ten thousand people gathered up. They met in large and small groups. Acts 2, 46 and Acts 5, 42. The, 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 the every, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Now the temple courts uh, were a pretty good sized place. Sometimes those areas uh, around the temple would involve, you know, 20, 35 acres of land around that area. But still, uh, 10,000, uh, church 10,000, they're not all gathered up there at one time. You know, look, they were doing multiple services before multiple services was popular. All right? And so the, the, they're gathered up. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And then day after day and in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. 
They understood that something, something about their structure, even though they had not planned it or organized it, they were trying to figure out how to get in all this teaching. So some of them are gathered up. I'm thinking more than one group a day within the temple courts and then some in the houses and then some other places. And they're all gathered up and the apostles are out there, especially in the temple courts, teaching and preaching and laying in this foundation that this gospel is going to go to the whole world. Men in large and small groups. And as they went... They dealt with problems. Outside criticism in chapter 4. Even told not to ever speak again in the name of Jesus. Remember? But they gathered up and they did what they have been doing. Praying. And God gave them boldness. And the word of God got continually preached. And then even inside problems that came in Acts. All of a sudden some widows are being neglected. Some needs are going unmet. And they get criticized for it even within. And they take care of that problem because they're taking care of people day in and day out. Well, what about, uh, that's what was happening in Acts. What about here and now? What about with us? What's going on with our church family? Well, I try to think of a name. You know, every, uh, every church has a name. And some, most names in Church of Christ describe where you meet. You know, White's Ferry Road, Church of Christ, or, you know, back home there was the East Side Church of Christ, the West Side Church of Christ, the North Side Church, you know. Yeah, kind of all locations were by name. But I thought, you know, a name ought to really tell about what you're doing, right? So I was thinking about what would be a good name for our church. And so uh, uh, as I was... Uh, uh, as I was looking at that, here's what I came up with to put on our sign. Gospel-centered, Bible-learning, sin-confessing, grace-giving, heart-singing, lost-reaching, forever family, Church of Christ. Okay? Now, it's hard to get your web name like that, and it's difficult to put that on stationery. So I got a feeling we'll have to kind of whittle that down somewhere down the road. By the way, there you go. But it's about who we are, not where we're located. In Jerusalem, they're not going to stay in Jerusalem. There's going to be, matter of fact, they're going to be spread out. That, start, that group that started as 120, that instantly went to 3,000, 5,000, and then who knows how many thousand, went out of there into the whole world, and that's what we want to do from right here. What about our DNA? What are we all about at the White's Ferry Road? Well, the one consistent thing I see we always have done and need to be sure we continue to do is to have an emphasis on the gospel. That message that Romans 1.16, Paul said, has the power to save. That story of the, of the incarnation of Christ, him becoming flesh for us, his death for us, his burial, his resurrection for us to give us hope, his ascension back into heaven to help us every day of our life as he's there at God's right hand, and one day he's coming again to get us that story of God's love, what God has done, is doing, and will do, is the heart of who we are. It's carved on our pulpit. It's, uh, you see it everywhere, just the gospel drawing uh, to say this is what we're about. 
So we must keep our message, always understand the power of the message is in the gospel. It is in not my design of it, it's, in not, it's not in my organization of it, it's not in my ability to do anything, it's just in the mouths and the hearts of God's people the message goes out. Preachers don't grow churches, the gospel grows churches. Jesus is the one that grows the church. I will build my church. We don't do that, he does. The other thing I think that's, that seems to be unique about our church family is there's an authenticity here. I love our response time. In a, in a time, an age when churches are doing away with response times, I love that we take the time to have responses when someone has a need. They come down front at our church assembly. Now, we can do responses a lot of ways. You can go to your small group. You can go to your house church. You can respond in a lot of situations, okay, to things. But here, something about when people are willing to just share their heart out loud and on purpose in front of everybody that says, here's where I am, that tells other people this is a safe place to be. And no matter how bad, messed up you are, you'll fit in right here. And you really will. I remember a guy, said, a guy told me one time, I said, Mike, I don't know. You, don't, you just don't know the terrible things I've done. He told me a few of them. I said, oh, man, I sat on a pew with three guys that have done worse than that. <laughs> you know, let me introduce you to them. I love the fact that people can find healing for the hurts in their life right here. This is where they should find it. God's church should be about caring for people and sharing the good news and watching their lives change because they find out who Jesus really is. I love the authenticity of our church family, the willingness to share a safe place to hurt, to cry together, to laugh together, to mourn together. I believe Paul said something about that in Romans, didn't he? Weeping with those who weep, rejoicing with those that rejoice. Tell you what else about us is I love our heart to worship. There's something about John. Thank you, by the way, for leading us in worship today. Didn't John do a good job? Thank you, John. Appreciate it, brother. There's something about singing that moves the heart. Isn't it amazing? It's the one thing that not only that we do here as God's people that we'll do in heaven. There's two things I'm excited about about going to heaven that I know we do here and we get to do there. We sing and we eat. And I like them both equally well. We're going to feast and we're going to, we're, going to, uh, we're going to eat together and we're going to sing and we're going to worship. And there's something about authentic worship, just people at, uh, 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 showing their adoration for God with their voices that's powerful. We don't ever want to lose that. We'll make sure we always have that heart of worshiping and adoring God for who He is. Because that's part of our DNA. Now you know, church from the time the book of Acts till now has changed quite a bit in a lot of people's minds. Richard Halverson was, the late Richard Halverson was former chaplain of the U.S. Senate. He said this about church. In the beginning, the church was a fellowship of men and women centered on the living Christ. Then the church moved to Greece, where it became a philosophy. Then it moved to Rome, where it became an institution. 
Next it moved to Europe where it became a culture and finally it moved to America where it became an enterprise. And uh, sad to say, I think there's a lot of truth in his observation. As a church that is moved by the gospel and grows, I don't what think about it. Where'd you learn about church? They they take you to church when you're a little kid. My my uh, my mom and dad they drug me to church. I always said I had a drug problem early on. They drug me to church. They drug me Wednesday nights. They drug me Sunday nights. Every time the door was open, we went to church, and I'm so thankful they did. Because so many things were put in my heart when I was a kid, and, and, and I'm I'm so glad of that. There are a lot of people sitting here that didn't have that. But a lot of folks that don't have any kind of a background. What is church? What does that mean? You know. And so there and there's a variety of experiences about what church means to you. And as we are part of a growing church, what does that mean to us? That we're all the same in this thing of church. There's no other organization. There's not some headquarters uh, among us that we report to, okay? If you're not familiar with Churches of Christ, we came out of a history of the Restoration Movement that just says, we just want to go back to the Bible and be the church that we find in the Bible best we can. And so that's still our plea, and it's a good one. It's not the gospel, but it's a good plea, right? And part of that is just making sure we stay on target with the gospel and stay on target with our authenticity and be real people who have real change take place because of Jesus. But a lot of people think of church as some organization, some hierarchy, and that there's someone you know, over everything. Uh, someone asked me, they said, Mike, don't you run that church down there? I said, are you kidding? <laughs> well, you're the preacher. This guy said, you're the pastor of that church. You're supposed to know everything going on. I don't even know everything going on in my family, more or less the church. <laughs> Susan's telling me stuff, right? I mean, think about it. So, yeah, but you know, you've got control. Really? You think I could really make people do something? Look, if I could make you do something, I'd make all of you be at Bible class at 9 o'clock. But, I mean, I ain't been able to pull that one off, <laughs> right? Some of you are feeling guilty right now. Some of you are saying it was my wife, she's always late. You know, you're doing that kind of thing, right? Or I'd make you give 10% of your checkbook and what's in that account, you know, right? But I haven't been able to make that happen yet. I don't know. I don't have that power. I can't make people live right because this business of doing church and preaching and teaching is not about making people do anything. It's about inviting people to appreciate what's been done for them and watch their response to Christ as it takes them to places they never thought they would go. That's what it's about. Look, if I've got a learning problem, it's about my heart. If I've got a giving problem, that's about my heart. If I've got those kinds of issues in my life, it's not about needing a preacher to make me do anything. It's not about growing this church. It's not about us becoming more professional. And I know while there's organization that can be implemented to help us in our growth and keep up with things. It's not about professionalism. We must have, as preachers, David, and as ministers, this staff, so here, Trent, our staff, we must have the mentality of a prophet, not a professional. There is no professional 
childlikeness, Matthew 18, 3, that says we have. There is no professional tenderheartedness, Ephesians 4, 32. There's no professional panting for God, Psalms 42. It is not about being professional. It is about having the mentality of the prophets. It's about preaching the gospel, and it's about figuring out the best way to get that done to as many people as we can But while we're here on this, on this earth. That's what it's about. There is no professional way to throw an old blood-stained rugged cross on your shoulder and walk to your neighbor's house. There's only discipleship that says you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And you give me a room full of 1,400 people that will throw a cross on their back and we'll change the Twin Cities around here. I promise you that. And you know what? I really do believe that's what we have. What we need is cross-carrying, self-denying people who are more concerned for the lost than their church experience, more concerned for the people than their pew, more concerned for holiness than happiness, more concerned for Christ than comfort. And I think we've got the core of those people right here in this room, and we can make a difference in what this church does in the future. That we won't be a location in a building with a cross on top that says we do business. That's not us. That's not us. Well, what about our future? What and when are we going to do things at Watts Ferry Road? We're going to have three services at two locations with one message. You know, the university church over a year ago asked to be under the leadership of the elders at Watts Ferry Road, and so... We, we've been working with those good brothers and sisters to help make that happen over the last year, year and a half, really. And that's come about. And so that, that church is a part of the Watch Ferry Road Church family and the university church. We're all one. One church. Two locations, one church. Two locations, one message. Look, we've got a campus out there that has over 8,000 people on it from 60 different nations around the world, I say we can make an impact around the world through that university right there. I'm, a, I'm so excited about that work and, and, and about what we can accomplish over there. We're going to start doing some things, initiating some things to reach that campus as well as that community from our campus there. One church, two locations. But we need more room in here. Have you looked around at our parking lot lately? Have you come late and couldn't find a place? You know, one of the things that we're going to need to do here is to go to two services. And we're going to do that in September. That means we need to double our workforce. So, Frank, you've got to find another Frank to greet at the door. All right? I mean... Now, Frank, he'll stay all day if you ask him to, but you know what? We really need you to reproduce another Frank. We need another guy there at the door. We need another uh, Mac and Irma Perryman. We need, so all of our greeters, we've got to have double that amount. So if you've been just coming and haven't been involved, now's the time to step up and say, hey, I'll make that first service go. I'll be here to greet people. I'll be here to wait on the Lord's table. I'll be here to help uh, the sound and, and computers and whatever other jobs there is to do. 
I'll be there to help Paul with building stuff and, and whatever happens there and with our security team and all these things. I'll be there for that, second, for that first Bible hour period when we need other workers. Look, we're not, gonna, we're not going to do twice the work. We're going to get twice the people doing the work. And so we need you on board. You're valuable to this church. So don't be someone who walks in and sits on a pew every Sunday not involved, okay? Don't do that. We don't need an audience. We need action from our church family because, not because we just want to have some kind of glory for having two services. It's not about that. It's about making more room to get more people packed in here to hear the good news of Jesus. And we need to help make that happen. And I know with full confidence you're going to do that. Plus, some of you would rather get up and go at 8 so you can have the rest of the day anyway, right? Because you're thinking, man, he's preaching long, I'm going to be late. But in football season, I know how you are. <laughs> football season, you'll show up to the early service to get home by the time the game starts. Now, duck season, Al, <laughs> it'll be the other way around, won't it, Al? You'll be showing up at 1030 because I went hunting till then, right? Hey, I, I, whatever gets that going, I'm okay with that. If we need to have a service at 12, I'll preach in. If we need it at 2, I'll preach in. However many services you want to pack people in here, Trent, you and I will be preaching. We'll do it. However many services we need. But we do need to do something about uh, uh, being overcrowded and help each other because we want to make the most of the opportunity. We want our visitors to enjoy being at our church family and share with them our heart about the gospel. And we can't do that if they're driving away because they can't find a parking place. Now, I'm not worried about you finding a parking place because if your commitment is no, no more greater than a parking place, I got problems with you anyway, right? <laughs> it's not the brothers here. That shouldn't be our problem. But our visitors, that's who we're concerned about. But look, God didn't say go out into all the world and invite everybody to church. Our greatest work is not done under the ceiling. It's done through so many of you who on Thursday nights are out on the river baiting hooks. And on Friday nights you're gathered up at that same river spot praying 30 and 40 of them every Friday night and baptizing people sharing the good news there. It's the two and 300 people that are at Celebrate Recovery reaching out to people whose lives are just devastated because they gave in to sin and, and Satan and he's, he's just run a course in their life. It's terrible. It's about the daily Bible studies that are going on that you have with your neighbors and that you're inviting someone into your home. It's about the one another relationships you have on the job that someone sees you react differently than they react and they say, Tell, how do you handle that? How do you handle losing someone? How do you handle this? You say, let me share with you the hope I have. It's about what you and I do carrying our cross out in the world in front of other folks that, that says we've got a message that can change your life. That's what will really make the difference. We want to share the gospel, the greatest message in the spirit of the greatest command because we love everybody. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus gathered up some folks. These disciples, right before they got to him, the Bible says that when they gathered up there, they, some of them doubted. 
often thought how interesting that he's given the greatest commission of the world to doubting men, men who were weak, men who had problems. And yet he writes, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. It literally says in the language, every ethnic group. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Don't read through that too fast because we're so familiar with it. It's still what the church is all about. I tell you, when I look around here and I see uh, Mike's not here today, I brag on him a little bit. Uh, uh, Mike got his 17-year, I think it was, wasn't it, Debbie? 17-year chip Friday night, Mike Colvin. You know, Mike works full-time for us now. I said, Mike, uh, 17 years ago, did you ever think you'd work for a church? He just started laughing out loud. He said, are you kidding? I'm just lucky to be in a church, you know. When I look at that kind of change and transformation that God brought about, and then I see Trent up preaching the gospel, who was, how many years ago, Trent? Ten years ago. Ten when? Ten December 2nd. When he was in his addiction and when he was homeless and when he was messed up in life he came out of all that to be up preaching the good news of Jesus when I see that when I see those kinds of transformations you know what it makes making adjustments and being flexible with how we need to do church a whole lot easier when I keep in mind that the heart of everything we do is the gospel changing lives like that and that's exciting to think that somehow or another our church family gets to be a part of that. There's no glory for us. There's just encouragement for us. The glory belongs to who? God. It all takes place because of that same message of the gospel. So today we want to give you opportunity. If you've never obeyed the gospel, I want you to think about responding today and being baptized into Christ making Jesus the Lord of your life, and start brand new all over again. If you've just gotten away from the gospel, then come back and renew your heart about being what God wants you to be, a soldier bearing the cross of Christ daily and sharing great news with other people. Maybe you let Satan get the best of you. This is a place you can confess your sin, not just that you sin, we also, but confess your sin. And get it out there and let God take care of that. And people who have been through that same thing will surround you and hug you and help you walk on the road that God wants you on. That's what our church is all about. Just like it was then and there. Here and now we're about the gospel. And we want to continue to make it about Jesus and all we do. If you have a need, would you come while together we stand and sing?
A voice from heaven said to them Listen to him You better listen to him Listen to him Shining face, like the sun. The shining face, shown to everyone. His clothes became as white. His clothes became as white as light. Listen to him. You gotta listen to him. Listen to him. Oh, 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 oh. listen to him. Listen to him. Moses and Elijah talking there with Jesus. A cloud embedded them terrified. The disciples faced down to the ground. Looked up and the only one they found was Jesus. Glorified. Glorified. This is my son.
You come to my rescue. You come to my rescue. You come to my rescue. Church family, this is Jay Lofton, and he comes forward this morning, and man, I can just feel this is a man who's ready for a change in his life, and I don't know the full story, Jay, uh, God does, and he's been there from day one, and today, as you're baptized, he's going to give you his Holy Spirit, you're going to be born brand new, and he's going to give you victory over all the junk in life, and he's going to give you peace and a sense of purpose, and so I want to take your confession in front of this family.
Church family, this is Dalton, and he comes this morning ready to make a change in his life, ready to surrender to Jesus. Dalton, today you're going to be baptized, and Jesus is going to give you his Holy Spirit to guide you and direct you and to lead you in life for your purpose, which, which is the purpose for which you've been created by you. So I want to take your confession in front of what's going to be your forever family from this day forward, who's going to be the Lord and Savior. family. This is Bill and Jennifer Whitehead, and they come this morning ready to become Christians and be baptized into Christ and have the spirit that resurrected the Lord Jesus from the dead reside in each of them, guys, for your marriage, for your outlook on life, for everything. This is where it's at. So I want to take your confession before your new forever family from this day forward. Who's going to be the Lord and Savior of your lives? Who is going to tell the child about God? Well, I believe, I believe it's my responsibility to tell the child about God. See that child standing on the corner, wondering which way to go. Should he go left or should he go right? I believe the child really ought to know now. Who is going to tell the child about Jesus? Who is going to tell the child about God? Who's going to tell? Well, I believe, I believe it's my responsibility to tell the child about God. Oh, 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 oh. See that child? His life is a mess. I do wonder what's inside of his head. I've got to tell you. 
raise my child the way that I need to, and I'm just so proud of you. Tina, so I want to take your confession before uh, this family that's going to be your new forever family. From this day forward, who's going to be the Lord and Savior of your life? Praise the Lord.